Very good. Appreciate him filling in on a last-minute situation. Uh, Tams is sick, as well as many others, and so he stepped up and did that last minute, so I appreciate that, Brother Berto. And I've said this before at different times, but in a situation like that, Berto, I want you to know I was helping you breathe. Uh, I was doing everything I could. I, I could tell he was struggling in some of that, and I just want you to know I was taking deep breaths for you. Uh, but uh, anyways... Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning, and then we will get started. Father, it is good to be in your house today. Lord, it's good to just sing the songs that uh, remind us of your faithfulness, of your goodness. And Lord, uh, just thank you for the time that we've had together already in the Sunday school hour. I pray now that you'd bless the effort to preach your word, that you'd use it to speak to our hearts. God, a simple challenge, but one that we need to be reminded of today. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to continue in our study of the book of James. We're going to be in chapter 4. As you find your place there, I'd like to bring something to our attention from our childhood, something that all of us know and something that all of us are aware of. And that is this, whenever we were children, we were introduced to very simple mathematics. You would admit to that, would you not? You would acknowledge that. You'd say, yeah, as a child I was introduced to some pretty simple, basic mathematic rules. So this morning, if I were to ask you, what is one plus one? Well, that would take no effort. We would immediately say, well, the answer to that is two. If I were to ask you what two plus two is, you would immediately answer, well, that would be four. And on and on we could go. Uh, It's just one of those things. It's simple. It's basic. It's pretty obvious and something that all of us are aware of. At the same time, we know this to be true, that the older you get and the more advanced you become in your education, you find yourself exposed to things that are a little bit more difficult and a little bit more complex. How many of us have ever heard of the word trigonometry? Some of us have heard that. The other question might be, how many of us know what that is? I have no idea what it is. I just know it's math-related. I didn't even know for sure how to spell it. Spell check had to help me on that one. But I do know it's this. It is math-related. It has to do with numbers. And I know that it is far more advanced than 1 plus 1 and 2 plus 2. There are formulas and there are equations and there are things that you have to be aware of. There are things that you have to be mindful of. And so in light of that, here is what all of us know, whether it be in the realm of math or some other realm of life that when it's a little bit complicated, when it's a little bit more difficult, and there are formulas and there are ratios or equations that have to be considered, we understand this, that if you get one part of it wrong, it really can mess everything else up. If you don't remember the formula and the way that it's supposed to be written, if you don't remember the, the, the exact way to do this particular part of the problem, it doesn't matter how much of the other stuff you may have gotten right, how much of the other stuff you may have remembered in the way it was supposed to be remembered. If you get a little portion of it off, the whole answer and the whole ending is going to be off and, and not what at all what it's supposed to be. So, so we understand that, that, that as it gets a little bit more complicated, it gets a little bit more difficult, that if you don't remember it and if you don't do it in the way that it's supposed to be done, well, it's going to mess up the final result in the end. Well, as I was thinking about that this week, I was thinking about life, and I know that we've talked about this in the past, I'm sure, at some point, but, but whenever we enter into this life, it's pretty simple and it's pretty basic, isn't it? 
It's pretty simple and it's pretty basic. You think about the typical child, they don't live with a lot of stress and a lot of responsibility. Now, I know there are some children out there, they're born into rough situations and their lives can get difficult pretty quick. I understand that. But for most of us and for most children, it was pretty simple early on in life. You had somebody telling you when to go to bed. You had somebody telling you when you were going to eat. You had somebody telling you when you were going to wake up. And really all you had to do was just do what you were told and life was going to be pretty easy. But the older you get, the more complicated it becomes, doesn't it? The older you get, the more complicated it becomes, the more difficult it becomes, and, and, and you realize there are certain things that are a part of the equation of life, and you realize there are certain things, for lack of better words, there are certain formulas that need to be plugged into a person's life, and if those formulas are not in place, if those equations are not done right, then here's what it can do. It really can mess up the end product of an individual's life, if things are not done accurately, if things are not done in the way they're supposed to be, it really can mess up the end product or the end result in one's life. And and sometimes, I know that we know this, but sometimes I think we can be so well-intentioned that we think that that's good enough But we've got to be reminded that good intentions are not good enough. For us to say, well, I meant that, doesn't really matter if because all we did was mean it, but we didn't do it. So it's not just good enough to say, well, I had good intentions, that's what I was thinking about, well, that's what I meant to say, that's what I meant to do. If we didn't and if we don't, then that could mess up the end product of our lives. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to, to look at Scripture, and we're going to look at what is a familiar portion of Scripture to many of us. And so I want to begin in James chapter 4, looking toward the middle part of the verse. And here is what we see. We see that James asked the question in verse number 14, the middle part of verse number 14. He said, for what is your life? For what is your life? Now, I think most of us, again, we know what the question is talking about. We know what the question is dealing with. What James is asking is, is what is the extent of your life? How long is an individual's life? Basically, we might say it like this. How long are we going to be here? And the answer is this. We don't know for sure how long we're going to be here, and we're going to deal with that in just a moment. But as you look at the next part of the verse, James answers the question that he presents in that verse. He said, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Here is what James said that our lives are like. It's always been this way. It is this way today. It will always be this way. He said our life is like a vapor. It's like a puff of smoke. It appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And you don't have to be very old to know just how true that statement is, right? Wherever you and I are at in life, here's what I think most of us would say, we got here faster than we planned on, right? I, I mean, for, for me, I just looked at it this way, and I know that your specifics would be different, but, but I introduced myself to someone the other day, and they said, do you have any kids? And I said, yeah, I've got a son that's 21. And I thought, my word, I've got a son that's 21? That just doesn't make sense. 
Well, do you have any other kids? Yeah, I do, as a matter of fact. Now, she's 18 and in college, and my youngest, yeah, she's 15, about to turn 16. She's almost out of high school. Wow. That just sounds weird. I didn't plan on getting here where I'm at this quick. And you didn't plan on getting where you're at this quick, right? I mean, all of us, we would look at where we're at in this stage of life and we'd say, man, it doesn't seem possible that this has already happened. It doesn't seem possible that, that we've already been married this long. It doesn't seem possible that this has already, has already passed in our life. It's just so true. And the older we get, the more we realize it to be true that life really does pass quickly. So no matter how long a person lives, no matter how many things a person enjoys, no matter what they may take in, it happened fast. It happened quick. And I can't believe it's already done whatever it may be a reference to. So as James makes this statement known to his readers and would remind us of it, of the brevity of life, What James is going to do is he is going to speak to a specific group of people. Now, we don't know who they are. We don't know their names. We don't know their family situations. We don't know anything about them. But here is the people that James is going to spend his time writing to in this portion of Scripture, and that is those who assume upon the future. Those who assume or presume upon the future, those who take the future for granted. Because there are certainly people who take the future for granted. So as James is looking at his day, as James is looking at those who were living in his time, he is realizing and he is noticing and he is seeing that there were people who presumed upon the future and they just took the future for granted. And the question might be from someone, well, how do we know that there were people doing this and that James felt the need to confront it? So notice what he said in verse number 13. He said, go to now, ye that say. All that really means is this, is come on now. Ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. What is James talking about? Well, as I did some reading this week and just trying to get a better understanding of the scripture, this was said, I don't know if it's 100% accurate or not, but it was said that many in their day, they would have been what it would be considered as migrant workers. They would have been Jews, individuals who would have just followed the work as a means to provide for themselves, maybe their families, whatever their responsibilities were. But it was people who would follow the work and go to these places in an effort to sustain themselves. And so there were people who obviously had, who had expressed these types of thoughts, these types of ideas that said this, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this city, we're going to continue this amount of time, we're going to buy and sell, do what we normally do, and here's what it'll do, is it will reap a gain in our lives, it's going to be productive, so what were they doing? They were assuming upon the future. 
They were saying out loud, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to this city or we're going to go to this region. We're going to go to this location and we're going to stay there for about a year. We're going to buy, we're going to sell, we're going to trade. And here's what we'll do. We'll be profitable. And what James said after that was this, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. You're sitting here talking about next year. You're sitting here and you're talking about what's going to take place 12 months from now. And James said, you don't even know what tomorrow may bring. James is just reminding them, friends, your world can change in an instant. What you think is going to be the reality in a year, what you think is going to be the case in a year, you don't even begin to know what next year is going to look like because you don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. That's whenever he said then, for what is your life? What is the extent of your life? How long will you even be on this earth? You don't know. It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Look there in verse number 16, what he said to this same group of people. He said, but now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. So you know what they were doing, James said? You're sitting around boasting about what you're going to be doing and you're rejoicing in this. It's as though you are already counting on it happening. And this is what you're going to do. And this is what's the, what the end result is going to be. And this is how it's all going to end up. And he says, for that kind of an attitude to come out of you, that is evil. Of all the words James could have used, he used the word that is translated evil. He didn't just say, well, you know, that's kind of foolish. He didn't say, well, you know, that's really not the best thing to do. That's not the wisest thing to do. No, he said, for that kind of boasting to come out of your mouth, for that kind of rejoicing with the assumption that everything's going to be good and everything's going to be great, he said, for that to come from you, fellow believers, that's evil. That's wicked. That's ungodly. That's not how the believer is supposed to live their lives, assuming upon the future, assuming that they know what's going to happen. So he says in verse number 17, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So what is James saying? Again, it's very simple. It's very clear. He is saying if a person knows what is right, if a person knows what they're supposed to be doing, and they choose not to do it, it's not just a decision that they make that has no consequence. He said, no, if a person knows to do right, and they decide not to do it, it is sin. It is a missing of the mark. It is a transgression against God. So follow this. 
You have people assuming upon the future. We'll go into this city. We're going to stay here this long. We're going to buy. We're going to sell. We're going to make a gain. We're going to profit off of this. This is what we're going to do. And there's boasting associated with it by way of rejoicing. And James says, you have no idea what's going to happen because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And your attitude, he said, it is evil. And for you to do this, it is sin. It is an offense to an almighty God. It's pretty blunt, is it not? It's very straightforward. It's very direct. So for his audience, what did he say should be the case? What did he say should be their approach to life? Well, the answer is found in verse number 15. He said, for that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. James did not condemn the people that he was writing to for having plans. But what he was getting to and what he was conveying to the people that he was writing to, his audience, was this is that it should always be understood in your mind that while these are your plans, that may not be God's plan. While this may be your desire, it may not be God's desire. While this is your forecast for your life, this is not necessarily God's forecast for your life. So James is not condemning them. How dare you have plans? How dare you have dreams? How dare you think about the future? But what he was saying is this, is you have always got to be mindful that your will and your plans may not match up to what God's will and God's plan for your life is. There could be a difference between the two. So stop boasting and stop bragging and stop rejoicing as to what you think it's going to be. Realize God could change everything in a moment's notice without any warning to us. But notice, though, what he said. Again, this is very important. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. What does it mean whenever he says that ye ought to say? Well, I mean, if we're talking about what a person says, that obviously involves the speech, does it not? So what James is telling his readers and what James is telling his audience is this, is that it is supposed to be not just only thought and understood, but it is also to be verbally expressed. This awareness that what may be my plan may not be God's plan, and what may be my will may not be God's will, it's not just enough for you, James says, to know it in your mind. You need to express it as well that you realize God may change your plans in an instant, in a heartbeat, because if you don't express it verbally, you know what you sound like, he said? 
He said, you sound like the one who boasts of everything they're going to do, and that is evil, and that is sin. That seems like such a small part of the equation, does it not? I mean, the readers of his, of his letter could have said something like this. Well, well listen, James, I, I know that. I just didn't say it. James would say, well, you need to say it. Well, I mean, God knows my heart. God knows that, that I understand that his plan may not be my plan and, and vice versa. God knows my heart. And James would respond by saying, yeah, God may know your heart, but you still need to recognize that and say it out loud so that everyone else around you knows that you consider God in your plans and that God could change things. It's not just enough for you to know it or to be mindful of it. You need to be willing to express this awareness that God can change your plans at a moment's notice. Because without it, you sound as arrogant as everyone else who has their life mapped out for themselves, and that approach to life is evil and ungodly and sinful. So just that one little piece of the equation, James is saying, if you don't plant that in, if you don't insert that into the right place, guess what? It messes everything up. Because it is sin, and sin is an offense against God. So are we we following this? I trust that we are, because I know this isn't too complicated. James is writing to people... And he's reminding them about the brevity of life. And he's saying, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So stop acting like you know what's going to happen in a year. And you need to be more vocal in your awareness. If God wills, this is what's going to happen. If God desires, this is what we're going to do. But if God doesn't, then we won't. Because if you don't recognize that in your expression of speech and words, then you sound just like the boaster. You sound just like the one who rejoices in what they're going to do, and that is evil, and that is sin. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Now, as you think about that, I want us to think about something that I know we're all aware of, a scenario, an illustration that all of us could could give a, an example of, I'm sure. But how many of us have ever known people, and they have been like the person James is writing of, they have told you everything, listen now, they have told you everything they are going to do. Have we ever known people like that? And they're saying, yeah, we're going to do this, yeah, we're going to do that, yes, we're going to do this, yes, we're going to do that. And have you ever noticed that if some of these people, their life didn't go the way they planned? Because life doesn't always go according to script, right? Okay. And so there are people all around us who have mapped out their whole lives only to realize that that wasn't what God had for them and their lives were completely rearranged many times without notice and they're just shocked. How did this happen? How did this take place? That's because that's how life happens. It doesn't go according to script. So all that being said, let's think about you and I this morning. 
How many of us this morning, if we were honest, we would have to admit this, that there are times, if we're not careful, we can fall into the same trap where we are predicting what our future is going to be. Boy, we can do it, can't we? Well, we can say things like this. Yeah, we're, we're going to be here for about six more months, or we're going to be here for about another year. And, you know, in about a year, this is probably what's going to happen. Yeah, in about a year, th- this is what we've got planned. And, and, and then if we're not careful, we get so bold as to say this. Yeah, in about six months, this is what we're doing. Oh, really? We now know what we're doing six months from now? I'm just saying, I, I'm guilty of that at times. I'm guilty sometimes of just saying this is what we're going to do and this is what's going to be happening and this is what's going to be taking place. And you know what I need to be reminded of? I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm pretty arrogant to assume that I know what's going to happen in six months or a year. It's not wrong for me to have plans. It's not wrong for me to have some things in the works. It's not wrong for me to have some dreams. But for me to say that I am going to do this and that we are going to do this and this is what's going to happen, friends, I've got to remember and you've got to remember We don't know the future any better than anyone else. And just like we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, we sure don't know what's going to happen in the future, months or years down the road. And whenever we sit around and we talk with certainty as to what we're going to do, as to what's going to take place, as to how our life is going to unfold, you know what we're we're doing? We're rejoicing in our boastings. Because we're never sitting around saying, you know, in 10 years, I think I'll be broke. You know, in 10 years, I think it's really going to be tough. And and, in the next however long, I think life is really going to be miserable. No, as we look ahead and as we project to the future, what are we always assuming? We're always assuming the best. So whenever we sit and we talk and we discuss and, and we work out what our future is going to look like and, and everything's going to be positive and everything's going to be good and, and we'll have all the money saved up we need, we'll be able to retire and our kids will do this and, and all these different things, whenever we take that approach to life, we're rejoicing in our boastings and it is evil. It's ungodly. Say, Brother Kyle, are you saying that that I'm not supposed to say what I'll be doing next year? No. James is saying that that's not what you're supposed to be doing. I'm just reminding us of what James said. It is not just unwise and foolish of us to sit around and act like we know what the future is going to hold. It is ungodly of us to do that. It's wicked. It's sinful. What should our approach to life be? It should be exactly as James explained in verse number 15. This is what I ought to say. 
If the Lord will, we shall live. If the Lord will, we shall do this. If the Lord will, I shall do that. Here's what I need to do and here's what you need to do. Again, it seems like such a small part of the equation. It seems like such a a small element of the grand picture of things. But, But here's what I need to be doing. I need to be acknowledging that what my plans are may not be God's plans. And I have got to be willing to acknowledge that what God's will may be may not be what my will is. And so not only do I need to have that awareness, but there needs to be the verbal expression of that awareness so that I don't sound like one of the ones who is rejoicing in my boastings of what's going to happen in the future. When you hear me talk about the future, when you hear me talk about what I'm going to do, you know what you need to be able to hear me say? To one degree or another, if the Lord wills. I'm not saying that it has to be those exact words, but it needs to be something like this, God willing, that's what I'm going to do. You know, I mean, if the Lord is okay with this in the next few months, here's what we've got planned. I mean, here's what's going on, but, you know, God could change all of that and and not let us know until the last minute. There needs to be that verbal expression of not just what I'm going to do, but I will do it only if God wills or desires for me to do it. There is a need on my part to be expressive of the Lord's will and desire, not me sounding like everyone else who thinks they know what the future holds. So guess what you need to have as a regular part of your conversation in relation to your plans? That spoken disclaimer, so to speak, if... God wills. You say, well, they would never understand that in my family if I was saying, well, you know, if God wills. It doesn't matter if your family understands it or not. Go ahead and say it. Yeah, God willing, this is what we're going to do. God willing, this is what our family's going to do. Yeah, God willing, next month, this is what's going to happen. God willing. My family would never understand that. My my coworkers, that, that would just sound weird to them. Go ahead and say it. You probably say lots of weird things in front of them. Throwing that one into the mix isn't going to really foul things up, all right? Just say it in front of your coworkers. You know, yeah, yeah, God willing, I'm going to do this in a couple of years. Yeah, God willing, me and my family, we're going to do this. And, and they may look at you like, God willing? Yeah, just because I don't know. No more than you know, sir or ma'am. Needs to be expressed. Needs to be expressed in front of the church family. Well, they know that I feel that way. They might not know that because you may sound like a very arrogant individual who just thinks you know everything that's going to happen. Just saying it's possible. What do we need to say? God willing. If the Lord allows. This is what we've got planned, but God may change it. You say, well, I'm getting the idea. Okay. We're getting the idea, but it's got to become a part of who we are. Because if it's not, 
then we sound just like the ones who are boasting, and that is evil, and that is sin. Say, Brother Kyle, that's so small. Right. Don't do it and see how much it can mess everything up. Don't, Don't put that little formula into the thought process and how you express it. Don't don't put it in there and see how bad it can mess things up because it can mess things up in a serious kind of way. It can mess our testimony up. It can mess our spirit up. It, It can mess so many things up. It is of utmost importance that you and I recognize we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and we sure don't know what's going to happen a year from now. So probably we ought to be very careful to always express this. If the Lord wills, this is what we'll do. But if not, then, then that's not what we're going to do. And so this morning, I would just ask you to, to ask yourself this question. Are you ever guilty of presuming upon the future? Are you ever guilty of just sitting around and saying, oh, this is what I'm going to do, and this is what I'm going to do, and this is what I'm going to do? If you're guilty of that, I just, as best I can and as as humbly as I can, I want to tell you, stop. Because it's not healthy. Next year, you may not be here to be worrying about it. Next year, you may be fighting for your life, and the last thing you're worried about is the very thing that you were planning for today. Just if, if you're guilty of that, I, I want to encourage you like I need to be encouraged. Don't. Don't do it because it's wrong. It's sinful. It's evil. It's ungodly. That's, that's so harsh. Well, that's what James said, not me. If you're guilty upon presuming upon the future, when you're talking and when you're expressing yourself, be quick to say, if the Lord wills. Be quick to say, this is only going to happen if this is what God wants for my life. And if he doesn't, he's obviously got permission to change everything. I'm just saying there needs to be a verbal awareness and a verbal expression of the fact that we don't know what the future holds. Only God does. And whatever God's will is, we want to be okay with that, even when it disrupts what we had planned for our lives. Is there a need for us to to be a little bit more expressive about God's will being able to take precedent over our will? Do we need to express it more so that we don't sound like the one who is rejoicing and boasting in all of our plans? Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning. I do pray that you would be with us now as we enter into this time of prayer. God, I pray that you'd help us to be men and women who are careful not to presume upon the future. God, that you'd help us to be more willing to admit and to declare that whatever our plans are, it all hinges upon your will and your plan for our lives. And we need to be careful to add that little little nugget of truth into our our manner of life because it can change everything in a very serious way. I pray that you'd bless in Jesus' name. Amen.